You're listening to the Outstanding Life Podcast with your host, Johnny D, the motivational cowboy. 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 As a motivational speaker, Johnny D impacts audiences around the world with his message of living the outstanding life. He's a best-selling author, MC, and two-time Grammy-considered artist. This podcast is a place where Johnny D can introduce you to his outstanding friends and share funny, interesting, and heart-provoking stories. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle up. Here comes your host, Johnny D. Hey everybody, I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Welcome to this week's Outstanding Life Podcast. We have our good friend Walter Kuhn in the house. He is a staff photographer at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Been doing it for over 30 years. And he's also the Director of Education and Special Projects at Robert's Camera there in Indianapolis. Walt, we got you on the phone? Oh yeah. What is going on? Good, man. You, You doing well? Yeah, just still kind of on the high of uh, this year's Indianapolis 500. It was a great race, a great event, and uh, yeah, still, uh, it's amazing how many photos you can go through in today's cameras uh, on an event like that. You know, I, you know, I let everybody know that you're one of the staff photographers there. You've been doing it for over 30 years. How many pictures, before I get into your story, how many pictures you do you think you take at the Indianapolis 500? Well, that's uh, today or, or, you know, back in the days of film, you got 36 pictures in a roll of film. And so we probably took, you know, I probably took, you know, 30 rolls of film during the race. Uh, now, uh, during the whole month of May, I think I shot, um, it was close to 60,000 images. Wow. Uh, now, what's, and that's a little bit misleading. With these cameras with motor drive, I can shoot a camera at 120 frames a second. You can go through a lot of uh, frames. And here again, 99% of them you're going to throw away because it's not the moment that you want. But by shooting at 120 frames a second, you get the moment. So, And then a lot of things on either side in between. So. That's so cool. Well, well, you know, that's how I met you. I met you by being a photographer, you know, just uh, three years ago at the PRI show. Let me ask you this. What inspired you to start taking photos? Well, uh, Johnny, I actually uh, worked for my high school yearbook. I worked for my college yearbook, but I never in my life thought I'd make a, a living at it. In 1991, I entered a photography contest. I was selling real estate at the time, and I entered a photography contest. Eagle Creek, which is the largest uh, uh, park inside the city limits next to Central Park in Indianapolis or in New York City, and uh, they had a nature photography contest, and I entered two prints. And uh, both of them got first place in their category, and one of them got best to show. So I came home and told my wife at the time, I said, I, I can't do anything but go down. And uh, But it taught me also what I thought was a good photo, other people thought were good photos, and I could do that photo. And uh, I've just always had a love of photography, uh, but I never thought I'd make a living at it. And it just the, kind of the stars all aligned it. I took a class from the director of photography at the Indianapolis North Speedway. I didn't think he was going to teach me a lot, but I considered it a job interview. And I had a portfolio at the time, and I went and approached him and said, I'd like to shoot for you. But I said, if you want somebody to stand inside of turn three doing, you know, waiting for the big crash, I said, I don't have any interest in that. I want to try stuff that's that's never been done out there. That's so cool. Let me ask you this then. Were you always around cars? Like, how did you even get a passion for cars? Yeah, well, I was always around cars. My family used to own a uh, auto parts chain store called Guarantee Auto. We had stores in uh, Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, and Michigan, and um, we used to sponsor cars. In 1976, 77, 78, 79, and 80, uh, we sponsored cars. We sponsored Tim Richmond. We sponsored Hurley Haywood, Bob Harkey twice, um, and uh, that I, I my first memory is out there when I was 16, and uh, uh, we sponsored Bob Harkey. Bob didn't make the race, but that was the year that I don't know if people remember, but 1976 was the year that uh, Jim Hurd hopped in a car and refused to get out because the, the speedway wouldn't let him qualify and then they finally got him out and he went running up and down the front straightaway like a madman and i think that was part of days of thunder that's where they kind of got that scene <laughs> he hops he hops into our car and uh, they finally get him out and we go out uh, to go make a qualifying ride this is on the fourth day of qualifying back when they had four days and literally 557 and he, then he goes running up and down the main straightaway. They call our runoff. Uh, we don't qualify, but we made more uh, publicity from that that one event than uh, than we did. But I was 16 years old, standing in the pits, going, 
this is pretty incredible. I think I want to be involved in this. So uh, that's that's kind of that was my first experience. And I mean, I had always gone out to the race. I'd, I'd gone out to practices and and whatnot, but be actually involved in it and you know be part of it. And that was my kind of first experience. It was it was kind of eye opening. When you got hired there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, do you remember your first five hundred? And what was that like for you? Oh, absolutely. I remember it. Um, when I first started out there, I actually wasn't on the IMS photo staff. I actually started in what's called the product certification committee. I had a friend, uh, my wife at the time worked with this other lady and she goes, oh, my, my husband uh, is a, kind of a big wig out there. He runs the product certification. So she got me on the committee and 1991 was my first year. And uh, in 1991, product certification used to certify race cars. You'd see ads after the 500 that said, you know, mobile oil won the Indianapolis 500. Well, we actually pulled oil. We actually ran through viscosity. We tested, we found some cheats, okay? But (laughs) because there used used to be big money, you know, for a motor oil company to say you won the Indianapolis 500. There probably still is, but I mean, it used to be huge. And um, uh, so we'd certify that. Well, the very first car that I ever said, every, every person on the committee was given one car. My car in 1991 was Rick Mears. So, and that was his. That was his fourth win. That was the year he won his fourth. So here again, that was my first experience at the, at the Speedway on product certification. So here again, I was like, "Wow, this is pretty cool." Uh, when you're certifying the, you know, Rick Mears's fourth car, uh, fourth win, uh, that was that was a pretty neat experience. So the number one question that always comes up with you photographers and people out there taking photos is, what kind of equipment do you use to capture all your stunning photos? Well, uh, usually the latest and the greatest of the day. That's why I said, if anybody uh, is interested, up on the second floor of the Annapolis Motor Speedway is the photo department. You can buy any photo that I've ever taken or any IMS photo uh, person has ever taken. But I always tell people the history of photography is actually in the vault where they have all the negatives. Because whatever was the greatest camera of the day was out there. Okay. And so, you know, um, I use uh, Nikons right now, but it's, um, um, you know, it's, they kind of all do the same. It's more how you set it up. And, uh, um, but, um, you know, you have to have kind of the latest and the greatest. You can't get away with a, you know, a 20 year old camera and a, you know, fisheye lens. It's not going to get you very far. Is taking photos there at Indianapolis Motor Speedway and of race cars, I know that that's where you got your start and stuff like that, but do you do other types of photography? Like, do you do weddings? Do you do other types of, you know, events? Well, I do uh, like senior portraits and stuff like that. I don't really do weddings. Uh, I've never been big on weddings and dealing with mother-in-laws and things like that. And uh, <laughs> they're, they're kind of very stressful. And the nice thing was, is they were on weekends. Races were on weekends. So I chose races instead. And, uh, but I do, yeah, I do other, other things. And then also I teach and uh, teaching is a big part of it. Uh, but the, my company, Robert's Camera, uh, loves that I'm, you know, out there and, you know, in the flag stand for the 500. Cause that when I, when we go to teach a class, that, that, that gives me some street cred. Uh, Talk a little bit about that because I've always known you as the guy up in, you know, the flag stand. I mean, that you got to be pretty special to be, to have that one place up there, right? Because there's a whole bunch of you photographers and everybody, 300 and some thousand people would love to be right where you are. Yeah. I, I, I got there because I asked. Okay, I literally got there because I asked. Um, the very first uh, uh, brickyard in 1994, I had just joined the photo staff in 93. And so I didn't really have a, a location. You know, most people had you know locations where they were for the race. I didn't have a location. So Ron McQueen, my boss at the Speedway, comes up to me and goes, where do you want to go for the Brickyard? And I said, how about the flag stand? And he actually paid me what I consider to be my highest compliment I've ever been paid because – he said, uh, wow, nobody's ever asked to do that, which was stunning to me and also what I had strived to do out there. I wanted to find different stuff, different things. And I actually spent the inaugural brickyard, a massive, huge event. And in the flag stand on that day were the two flagmen from NASCAR and me. There was no honorary starter. There was nothing. And it was, a, it was an eye-opening experience when I'm looking around going, this is a massive event. People would pay thousands of dollars to be where I am right now. And I'm not paying a penny. I'm actually getting paid to do it. <laughs> um, so that started it. And then what really made it though, I, I after that, I put remotes on the uh, starter stand, but I did other things. So I just had remote cameras on the starter stand. The, the next time I was really back up there was in 2011. And 2011 was the year that Dan Weldon won. And, uh, you know, Hildebrand crashed on the very last corner of the last lap. Um, my checkered flag shot um, is 
one of my favorites ever. The checker flag shot and then Dan Weldon about 15 minutes later when he goes to kiss the bricks. After he kisses the bricks, he turns over and lays on his back and just has this moment. Well, he is basically, I'm looking straight down at him. I have what I consider my finest image uh, that I've ever taken out of the Speedway. And then there was also a moment um, earlier in the race where the Marmon Wasp was coming down the front straightaway and blew up, uh, blew the engine, and I've got it spewing oil. It was probably my biggest day up there. But in 2011, I was up there, and people said, you know, he's he's got some very good stuff up there. We need to put him up there, you know, all the time. So I don't spend the whole race up there. I go up there for the start. I'm there for the finish. Or if I sense kind of like this year that we're going to have a lot of red flags, uh, then I'm going to head up there and make sure I'm, I'm up there for all that. Well, you just got done talking about some of the greatest moments that you got to to take photos, and, and that is up in the flag stand. But have you ever had a close call or dangerous situation while shooting a race? Yeah, I died doing it, actually. Um, Wait, what? You died? I, yeah. Yeah, I love to I love to hear people's reactions. Like, yeah, I, I died doing it. I, uh, you know, if you're ever gonna have a serious trauma, racetrack's a pretty good place to have it. Um, it was in Phoenix in 1998. It was the final practice session. Uh, I remember going out to turn two. I remember the session starting. My next memory is five hours later waking up in the hospital, and I had been lifelined out of there. And what happened was a car crashed, and the tire came through the fence and kind of took the top of my head off. And I still have a permanent dent in the top of my head from uh, from the headset that I was wearing there. But uh, I actually passed away, and they, they got me back and going, and uh, got me to the hospital. I was actually only in the hospital 14 hours. It was actually it's an incredible story. Um, I was only in the hospital 14 hours. Um, I got up the next morning, and the, they released me because I had no concussions, no broken bones. And my cousin who lives out in Phoenix says, you want to come up to my house and watch the race? And I said, well, God, no. I said, I want to go out to the race. I said, you know, I actually tried to work the race. I actually, I, I petitioned to work the race. And they said, no, uh, you just go watch it in the, in the press box. But um, yeah, Johnny, I, I mean, I was uh, very, 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 very lucky. I was very blessed. Uh, but it's also, I realized that. And, um, you know, it could have turned out different. It didn't. Uh, I think there's a reason for it. Uh, I have a special needs son, and I really think that's you know a reason for it. Uh, but um, yeah, it, it makes you think about you know life and how quickly it can be taken from you and uh, how special it is. So wow, and we talk about memorable moments. That's got to be you know when you think of a memorable moment, you think of like the happy times. I mean, one, it is happy, right? You, you're with us and you're talking with us and you're alive. But man, what a scary moment. Yeah, the only thing is, Johnny, I have no memory of it. You have as much memory of that moment as I do. I said, I remember going out there. My next memory was five hours later. I don't remember anything. I was awake, alert, and conscious. I was talking to him. I was completely coherent. <laughs> kind of the, 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 the whole story takes about 15 minutes to tell the whole story. But six years after this, okay, I actually got off the road because I have four kids, and I was missing some birthday parties and some soccer games and some things, and I wanted to help raise my kids. So I actually got off the road, and I opened a business in Carmel, Indiana, which is just north of Indianapolis. And I had a business partner, and my business partner's wife was uh, 43 years old, and she was adopted. And she wanted to find out at 43 years old where she came from. So she did some research and she found out she had a brother in Illinois and a sister in Phoenix. Okay, remember my accident happened in Phoenix. And she called these two people up at 43 years old and said, You don't know me, but we're brother and sister. And, you know, imagine finding out at 43 years old, you have a brother and sister. And the first time she ever met them in her life was at our grand opening. And it was a very emotional, it was a very cool moment to be part of, you know, finding, connecting these people who didn't know they were brother and sister. Okay. And uh, so um, after, you know, uh, a little bit into the party, um, I went up to the sister from Phoenix and her husband. I said, so what do you guys do out in Phoenix? And they said, oh, we, we just sold our business. I said, yeah. I said, what was it? He goes, oh, it was a helicopter, a helicopter evacuation emergency service. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, where did you fly to? He said, well, mainly Good Samaritan Hospital, which is where I went. I started to explain the story. And he goes, well, um, I know all about this Um I was the pilot. Wow. And it's just, oh, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's mind boggling. I mean, it brings you know, the, the hair on the back of my neck still up. It's just, a, it's a small world. And the thing was, is at the time we couldn't connect those dots because she hadn't found her family. And right. six years after my accident, we were able to connect those dots. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty amazing uh, small world that, uh, you know, my business partner's uh, newfound family, uh, you know, lifelined me out of my, uh, my uh, you know, brush with death. So uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. That's pretty crazy. If you don't believe in God, I mean, that makes you sure think about God, doesn't it? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and as a matter of fact, it's just kind of funny you say that because I did have a little conversation with the guy upstairs while I was in the hospital uh, in my bed. I said, listen, I have no idea what you have in mind for me. You know, my world had changed 30 days before my son had been diagnosed with Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. So I'm laying in the hospital bed going, what the hell is going on with my world? Okay. But I had a conversation with the guy upstairs and I said, listen, I have no idea what you have in mind for me. I have one request. Keep me around for my son. And I'm still here, and my son's still here. So uh, it's 25 years later. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Awesome story. Well, how do you build relationships and connect with the drivers, teams, and other industry professionals in the racing world when you're out there at the racetrack? You know, I've always wondered. There's photographers everywhere, but there are special photographers with special teams, and you connect with certain people. But how do you build those relationships? with those well, drivers and teams? It's just like building relations, relationships in any business or anything in life. Um, you know, it, it's, I often said when I did the traveling, okay, and, and went to all the races, it was like a traveling circus. Yeah. So you would see the same people week in and week out and week in and week out. The one thing I wasn't fond of it when I was, uh, I didn't always work for the league, uh, but the, when, I, when I worked for sponsors and clients was every year you had to reapply for a job. Uh, it was like, hey, once the season was over, it was like, hey, that's great. You did a great job. Put in a bid for next year. <laughs> and so it was it was tough. You basically had to go searching for clients, you know, every single year. And uh, I enjoy working for the Speedway and not having to do that. Right, right. Um, Have you ever had a race car driver, a team request an outrageous or fun idea for a photo shoot? And how did you bring that vision to life? Well, I don't know if it was that outrageous of a photo shoot, but uh, I was kind of honored uh, two, two, three years ago. Um, Ganassi called me up and wanted a, uh, a group photo, a company photo uh, with Dixon. Dixon was running his, I think it was like 300th race. And uh, so they put his car out in the front. And uh, the, the PR rep who hired me turns to me and goes, do you realize, Walt, this is the first time we've ever had a company photo? I was like, wow, you know, that's a pretty big organization. You've never had a you know big thing like this with all every all the employees. And they're like, no. And so I was honored to, you know, to, to take that. Um, but I've also uh, I try to said try and do different things. Uh, I'm currently right now, if anybody knows anybody, I'm trying to get uh, uh, a lot of this. Uh, uh, a lot of the drivers are bicyclists and I'm, I, I'm an avid cyclist and I've got a, a special 360 degree camera that I would love to put on a driver's uh, cycle, a bicycle as they, uh, as they go around the speedway. Um, a lot of them do that in the morning for workouts. And I think with a 360 camera, it'd be, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, how do you stay motivated and continue to, you know, find your inspiration in a field that you've been working in for so long? Johnny, if you can't find inspiration out of that place, with given basically unlimited access, I need to retire. Okay. <laughs> if I can't get up and get excited, I actually am already starting planning things for next year. My big problem now is the, the, the month of May is so short. Okay. It used to be, well, back when it was originally opened, it opened May 1st, regardless of what day that was. It could have been a Tuesday and it opened, you know, the track opened May 1st. And the race used to be run on May 31st here again, regardless of what day that was. So there was 30 days of May. Well, now there's like eight days. And, you know, we have so much demands as far as the shots i've got to get there's not there's a lot less time for creativity and uh, you know trying new things but i'm all i'm always thinking what i try and do is i try and have six or seven ideas and then see which ones will fit this year and you know i have some some ideas for rain okay well if we don't get rain can't do that but if we get rain i gotta have stuff i gotta be able to do that are going to be unique and different well so, so you mean that you guys sit around before the month of May and actually plan the photos. Well, I, I plan my own. I plan my own. It's not like it's not like my team. Not like the staff. You know, gives me photos. I'm thinking now of you know. I, I'm always thinking of what is a photo that nobody has done out there. That's my goal is to try and find an angle. Um, and I, this actually was kind of brought home uh, in 2007. I think it's 2007. That's when Elio won, and uh, or one of the times he won. And um, <laughs> um, the day after, we always had the photo shoot. Okay. Well, the morning after, it is pouring rain so they do the photo shoot in one of the um uh, uh those uh, white huts in the back of the uh, uh plaza uh those pavilions yeah okay yeah. 
they, they pulled the car there. They put these fake palm trims there. They had these fluorescent lights. It was green astroturf. It was horrendous conditions, okay? But they had this big kind of U-shaped of uh, photographers. Everybody's shooting pretty much the exact same thing with the exact same lens doing the exact same thing. Well, I went behind everybody, and I got my camera on a stick, which I'm kind of known for, camera on a stick, and put my fisheye on that and got something that was completely different than anybody else that was shooting out there and guess what it ran all over the place because i try and think sometimes as as an editor okay you're looking through photos and it's like same thing same thing same oh, oh, wow that that's different and that's what i want to be i want to be that different you so, know you know walt i mean what a great life lesson that is right i mean look outside the box just because exactly. it, just because you're not doing it like everybody else doesn't mean that it's wrong yeah, and you know when I started my career out there, it was in the days of film. And I used to, if you go out there, if you go to this, the Indianapolis North Street on the second floor, you can go to the what are called the proof books. The proof books are all the rolls of film that we shot. They would make a contact sheet. Okay, it was five pictures across by seven pictures down. It was thirty-five pictures. They clipped the last picture. Okay, well, I considered that contact sheet my canvas. All right, and there, if you go out there, there were times where I shot one thing where I shot. Um, 35 pictures uh, okay of a race car each one of them is 135th of the race car but when you put the contact sheet together it's an overhead of the of the race car okay but when people are looking through the proof books it's like they're just seeing all these photos and all these photos and all of a sudden here was this basically one whole sheet that was one photo and it was you know 135th with each photo and uh, i also did one of nothing but the driver's eyes okay i got a big huge lens and i went in and all you see is a very close-up of each driver's eyes and it's a contact sheet kodak when they had the suite out there ended up making this duratran of it uh but I, yeah i said i always tried to do something different and tried to use the the, the uh, contact sheet as a as a canvas. How cool. First of all, again, it's the second floor there at yeah. the at the yep. speedway. Yep. And anybody can go. Anybody you can also order them online. Uh, but you can go and order any photo that's that's ever uh, ever been ma- uh, made out there. You know, I, I asked you just a couple minutes ago what keeps you motivated and and you went right to the track and you know that keeps you motivated and inspired. But when you want to get away, you also brought this up and you talked about the guys biking and stuff like that. But when you want to get away from the track, you want to get away from the kids. You love yep. to go bicycling. Talk a little bit about that and, 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 and how you got even into that. Well, it really is my happy place. I got into it uh, about 15 years ago. I was going through a divorce with my wife and I was kind of at a crossroads and I thought I could drink myself through my problems or exercise myself through my problems. And I fortunately took the exercise route and yeah, became addicted to cycling. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of times where I had a lot of pent up emotions and, you know, uh, uh, negative energies and I'd get on a bicycle and two hours later, I didn't remember all the problems I have. So yeah, I do long distance cycling. I'm currently training for a thing called the rain ride, which stands for ride across Indiana. It's a one day event. It's uh, July 15th. So it's coming up here in just over a month. Um, and it's basically, it's a, we start on the West state line and end up 160 miles later on the East state line. About 1400 people did it the last time I, uh, I did it in 2019. Um, but yeah, it's a one day event and it took me 12 and a half hours last time. And that's my happy place. Well, what was it like for you to finish that race the first time? Uh, well, it's actually kind of funny. The, the first time was the absolute best weather I've ever had. It was, we had a tailwind, you know, coming and it was cloudy and overcast and, uh, uh it was actually the best condition. It was just, it was, it was very gratifying. The, the one thing was, is five miles to the finish. I had my, uh, I had a flat. Which, uh, you know, was the hardest flat I've ever changed in my life. But I was, you know, bound in terms. I was going to walk at home if that's what it took. Uh, but it's just, it's just gratifying. I don't really care about the time. I care about do I get that little medal. And that little medal means more to me that, you know, uh, of what I've accomplished. And it, the last time I did it in 2019, it was, it was the hottest day of the year. It was 107 degrees. I get home that night and they turn on the news and the first three uh, news uh, pieces are about, you know, the heat and not staying uh, and going indoors and drinking water and not exercising outside. And I was like, I didn't 
get that memo. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it's just yeah, it's just it's uh, it's just very gratifying to to, to finish that and uh, and get that little medal. You know, and, and I'm trying to think of the project because you know people often ask you, you know, what's the coolest project you've ever been uh, you know associated with there at the track? But didn't you get to take pictures of all of the uh, cars, like the history of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, all the cars that race there. Yeah, that definitely been the top ten. I mean, I've had some some pretty cool things. And what I what I did was I spent two and a half years photographing every car in the Hall of Fame Museum. Two and a half and years we, project. Well, it wasn't every day. It wasn't right. every day, but I, I I built a what's called a site wall, which is a, a cornerless uh, uh, kind of uh, photography wall uh, down in the basement of the uh, of the museum. And uh, if you've ever been down there, it was you know five six years ago. There was hardly a space. It was an actual jigsaw puzzle to get every car out and get every car photographed. They've kind of uh, emptied out a few cars down there uh, now. But, um, yeah, I, I, we would spend, you know, I'd spend eight hours a day for a couple of weeks, and then I'd go edit stuff, and then we'd come back. And then there's also an, another building on property. It was it was over 400 cars that, that I photographed uh, there at the Speedway. And that, that was a neat project. But I also have, uh, you know, what I consider to be the world's or the Indiana's largest uh, photo uh, ever made uh, is attributed to me. What do you and mean? That was what the, happened? Uh, that, well, that was the one on the JW Marriott. For the 100th uh, running of it in 2016, they put uh, a picture of the Borg Warner Trophy on the side of the JW Marriott. It was 30 stories big. Well, that was my photo. That was my photo. It was two acres. The photo was two <laughs> acres big. Well, okay? well, what the heck was that like for you to walk down the street and see your photo 30 stories tall? That, there, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps there, for you, my friend. Yeah, there, there's YouTube videos on it. Um, it took seven days to put it up. It actually, they put it up in five-foot panels. and uh, But it was really, yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, they ended up making a puzzle out of it. A, a company made a puzzle out of it. And then uh, Tank McNamara actually made a Sunday a comic where that decal, that photo, uh, comes off the side of the JW Marriott and goes and flies out to the speedway and causes an accident in the race. Okay, so that was pretty cool. You know, how many people got a you know Tank McNamara comic? Uh, you know, about their photo. So uh, yeah, I, and this year's this year's credential, the, the credential for this year, the badges, the silver and the uh, the the uh, silver and the bronze badges was my photo uh, uh, based off of that. So yeah, I've had some some really pretty neat neat, neat experiences out there. Well, do you ever? And I and I'm asking you this. Because, you know, of what I get to do and we get to do, two, you know, cool things. Right. But do you ever take time after five o'clock, everybody's left and you just kind of look around and see you, the photos that you took and what you are a part of, what you are around and just take it in. Because sometimes I think we take it for granted how cool our jobs are. Oh, I, there's not there's not a day that I don't appreciate it. It's uh, it's an honor, and I and I try and tell the powers that be every time I can uh, what a what a privilege it is. Um, yeah, I do. It's not usually after the race. Um, I, there is um, uh, about eight thirty uh, nine o'clock after the race. I have this shot that I go do of the pylon, uh, which has uh, all. They do it like the old, where they have all the the numbers on it. Okay, just the numbers. And in one photo, it tells me kind of the whole day because it shows everybody's place where they finished. All right. When I go to do that, the place is pretty much empty. All right. There's a couple of people. There's probably 200 people on the property at that point. But there had been 330,000 right. at that moment. At that moment, I kind of rehash the day and you know think the day over and and everything that's happened. But I don't really look at my photos until you know, it, it, you know you know all the photos I shoot during the month and all the photos I shoot during the race. It takes a while to to get through that and to kind of know exactly what you had. I, you know, I, I didn't know exactly what I had uh, this year. Um, do we have time? I have, uh, you know, this year, my, uh, my favorite photo uh, that I took all year long uh, or all race long. Um, it was uh, when Joseph Newgarden went into the stands. All right. Yeah. And I'm up in the flag stand. So he is literally right below me. All right. And uh, running around and I've got all these photos. Well, he, at, at, at the very end, when he, right before he hops the fence to get back out, he stops with a fan and uh, does a selfie, right? And puts his hands up in the air and does a selfie with his fan. And so, to me, it's a very cool kind of interacting with the fans, very cool race moment, all right? And uh, it was my favorite photo of the day. 
Well, I sent it to my kids, showing them, to which my uh, my middle son wrote me back and says, Dad, you realize I'm in that photo? And I said, Whoa. what? I said, I said, what? And it, sure enough, he, he's in the photo. Well, the amazing thing, Johnny, is he had tickets in the fourth turn, okay? He had seats in the fourth turn. He was actually leaving with three of his friends. They had parked down near the first turn. So they were walking from the fourth turn down to the first turn. They were kind of passing by where the front straight, where the start finish line is on the front straightway. Okay. And my son turns to the other three and goes, this was like with eight laps to go. He goes, guys, I have a feeling about this. He goes, I have a feeling just something. I think it's going to be an exciting finish. I think it's going to be a photo finish. I'm going down to the start finish line. Who's with me? To which dead silence all three of his other friends go nope nope we're going back to the car we're done and he goes guys you're not going anywhere the, the car is blocked in we're here well, you're parked for hours okay you're not just going to go back to the car and drive home all right and they said no no we're going back so he goes down there he gets down there with three laps to go gets down to the start finish line a yellow shirt goes oh you can't come in here he's in typical you know, Walt Coon fashion, he goes, that's my dad up in the flag stand. The yellow shirt lets him in, okay? <laughs> and uh, he's down there in the moment. And what's really amazing is uh, the photo that's my favorite, you actually see him on his phone, and he's recording a video. And the video, it's only an eight-second video. The video ends right when Joseph is doing it, right after Joseph uh, does the uh, the selfie with the fan. Wow. So, yeah, it was, it was a really cool moment. But it also taught him a very valuable lesson, John. And what's okay? that? Sometimes you just got to go for it. Okay? You know, it. It, doesn't, it doesn't always work out. As I've told him, you hit a home run. You're not always, always going to hit a home run. But you got to swing for the fences if you want to hit a home run. And he said, you took a chance, and boy, did it work out. Because it's kind of funny. We just were looking at it yesterday. Uh, that actual photo has been used by the Speedway. And on their Facebook uh, account, on the Annapolis Motor Speedway Facebook account, that photo has, uh, I think it's 1.9, uh, uh, 1,900 uh, likes on it. Wow. Uh, which is something, yeah, it was something he's never had on it. But, it, yeah, it just it kind of taught him a very valuable lesson that, uh, you know, his friends wanted to go back to the car, and he could have easily gone back to the car. But he said, you know what? I just got a feeling, and he went with his gut. And uh, it, it definitely worked out. If you're just now joining us, we are talking with Walt Kuhn. Walt Kuhn is a st uh, staff photographer at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the director of education and special projects at Roberts Camera. Uh, Walt, if you could photograph anywhere in the world, if I opened up my, my pocketbook right now and got out one of my credit cards and said, money is no object. If you could photograph anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Well, without question, it would be Monaco. I would love to go to Monaco. The problem is, it's race weekend. It's in your last 500 weekend. So you can have all the money you want, but it'd have to be a pretty special. I'd have to have, you know, a, a pretty special photographer's credential to uh, to want to go and give up my flag stand uh, at the Annapolis 500 for Monaco. But Monaco's always been it's it's the pinnacle of, of Formula One, and I was I was very fortunate uh, to photograph the uh, the Formula One races uh, at the uh, at the track uh, for the Speedway. Um, you know, that, that was incredible being, uh, being part of that. So, you know, formula one, I, I would love to be, to, to do that as far as just photography in general, I would love here again with my cycling background, would love to do the, uh, the tour de France. Oh, um, that, okay. That, that's always, that's always been a bucket list of mine. So I those, always, are, those are pretty much my two. I always said that I would do, you know, the double, I would do the Indianapolis, you know, 500 and then fly to Charlotte, North Carolina and interview, you know, the Chevy drivers before that race as well. And, but that, yeah. that I could actually pull it off as long as I can get that private plane from one to the other. Well, and you might be able to leave before the checkered flag. Unfortunately, I don't know if I could do that. But yeah, right. oh, I mean, Johnny, that day, that day, uh, race day, I show up at three o'clock in the morning, which usually means I get up at two o'clock. But I show up out of the track at three o'clock in the morning. This year, I left at 11 o'clock at night. What is what is that place like when there's nobody there? It's it's to me it's magical. It's just the the the, the vibes I get out of there. Um, it depends. It, it depends if it's a race weekend or like race morning. Uh, it is extra special. But even I love walking uh, with a person that's never been there before. 
Um, even if it's not race day, just walk in there and they're just, they're just blown away how big it is, you know, how impressive it is. And, uh, but it's, you know, it's, uh, kind of wild because I don't know if you've ever seen the picture. There's a picture, uh, of, you know, a meme out with all the stuff that will fit inside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and, you know, Vatican City and, you know, I think even Monaco. It's all, it's amazing what'll fit inside, uh, the, the, uh, the track. And so it's a massive place. So, uh, when it's empty, it's, uh, you know, it's, kind of uh, kind of wild let me ask you this what is it like and and, I, and i'm asking for me what is it like in the winter time in indianapolis when there's it's snowing and you're at the racetrack that's got to be kind of magical as well Oh yeah. Here again, anytime, uh, that it's different. I, you know, I love to photograph it. Uh, um, I, I had a really cool photo shoot. You talk about, you know, uh, some things I've gotten to do. One of the cool photo shoots I got to do was, uh, the, uh, uh Borg Warner trophy and the Stanley cup. Okay. Oh, cool. And, um, uh, it was in October. Okay. It was in October. It wasn't in May. And, uh, what it was, was the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, uh, had won the Stanley cup and the Indy fuel here in town, the local hockey team is a farm club for it. So they brought the trophy in well the trophy uh after the game stopped by the track and it was there for 15 minutes and video was there so video got it for seven and a half minutes and i got it for seven and a half minutes and the picture i came up with was one of my favorites uh, of all time uh the, the stanley cup and the borg one are two of the most iconic trophies of all uh, all of sports there on the yard of bricks uh it was, pre- it was pretty special what do your kids think of dad i mean you you have such a cool job i've always wondered when you have such a cool job like yours what do your kids think? Are you just dad or are you dad with a cool job? I'm dad with a cool job. Um, you know, they, they, they get it. I mean, when I started out there, you know, they didn't get it. Now, now they get it. And it was kind of fun. Um, two stories. Uh, my son had come down earlier this year and had brought some of his friends. And that's always nice. Or, you know, he wants to show his friends, uh, show, show me off to his friends. But it was kind of funny also, uh, I think it was four years ago. It was before the pandemic. My daughter, who's 24 now, so she's about 20, race morning texts me and goes, dad, can I come hang out with you today? Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> I was like, honey, it's not Dick. take your daughter to work day. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have a credential. I don't have a credential for you, but I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the love. Uh, so that's pretty cool. But no, yeah. Yeah. Hey, if you could go back in time and photograph any famous, you know, historical race or race car driver, who or what event would you choose and why? Well, it would probably be something from the, you know, from the sixties at Indy. I would have loved to, you know, like Jimmy Clark. And, uh, uh, one of the things I loved about film was it really separated the the professionals from the amateurs. Okay. Now with digital cameras, you can put it on auto and press a button and it's going to get it fairly close. Okay. But back in the, you know, the film days, if you didn't get it right, there was no computer you can put it in and no, you, you also didn't know, you know, while you're shooting it, what you were getting. Um, you know, you didn't know until after you got the film back. And that's why uh, the very first 500 I shot uh, in, in 93 for the Speedway, you used to have to wear a, a double layered fire suit. You, you were in long underwear and then a fire suit. Okay. The very first um, uh, race that I did, I lost 11 pounds. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And because uh, I'm running all over the place. I get home that night. All right. I lay down on the bed. I cannot hardly lift my head off the pillow. Can't lift my arm. I am physically just exhausted and my brain won't shut down because my brain is replaying the day going, what was my settings here? What am I, what, what, what did I do here? What did I do here? Because I didn't have that, you know, digital feedback that I, I get now where I can take a picture and look at it and go, yep, I got it. Okay. Or no, I don't. And change the setting. Back then it was, you know, you didn't know until you got the film back. What driver, if you could go back in time, who would you shoot? Um, you know, here again, probably Jimmy Clark. I've, I've it's always been a, a favorite of mine. Um, I never, you know, got to see him race, but um, you know, I, I back then I thought they were all studs. I mean, they, you know, back then, <laughs> you know, well, they, I mean, they were. Yeah, they, they still are. They still are. You know, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, qualifying at two hundred thirty some odd miles an hour in Indianapolis takes. Uh, take some bravery, but, um, you know, back then it was even more, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I said, I, I've been around, uh, racing, uh, my, I said, my family had the automotive parts, uh, chain store. So I was always in cars and, and we've always been around racing. So I've really never known anything, but I've always grown up in it. 
Walt, I, I often ask the drivers, you know, this question, fans always want to know, and you just kind of said it the, you know, just a little while ago that you are literally, literally at the racetrack all day long. You get there at three 30, you know, in the morning and you don't leave sometimes till midnight, but during the race, you're up in the flag stand and you're all over that place. I'm sure. How do you find time to go to the bathroom? <laughs> That's uh, yeah. I, I've been asked that before. Um, I mean, the nice thing is I'm not in the flag stand the whole race. Cause as you know, there are no facilities up there and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel, I feel more for the, uh, the actual flagman. I will tell you up in the flag stand, there's not a lot of coolers with bottles of water, okay? People aren't chugging water. So, um, <laughs> But the nice thing is I'm up in the flag stand usually for about the first 20 or 30 laps, depending on exactly how it plays out, whether it's a yellow or kind of how it plays out. Um, and then I leave. And when I leave, um, um, there's 171 uh, bathrooms uh, on the grounds. I know this because uh, the two days after uh, Mr. Penske bought the uh, track, he had gone through pretty much every single one of them. And he's done an incredible job uh, Renovating every single one of them, uh, but um, no. And then the thing is that about that time is usually 20, 30 laps into the race. Um, people are watching the race, and, and the bathrooms are, are pretty open. Uh, but um, I'm up there. For, I'm up in the flag stand from pre-race, which can be an hour to hour and a half before the race starts, until 20 to 30 laps after the race uh, begins. And you just, you know, you just learn to, you know, not not have to go to the bathroom. Don't drink a lot of the water in the in the morning. Walt, have you ever encountered any unusual or unexpected wildlife while taking photos, especially especially there at Indianapolis? And I know you've also took photos at other racetracks, but people that don't know Indianapolis Motor Speedway, they have a golf course right in the middle of the racetrack. There's plenty of wildlife there. Have you ever encountered wildlife while taking photos? Yeah, there was a fox. I think it was last year or the year before. They went running down the front straightaway. Okay. And uh, then it hops over the fence and, and gets out. But yeah, there also was um, uh, one, one year, and this was probably three years ago, four years ago, um, uh, a bird had built a nest up in the flag stand. Okay. And as you're climbing up in the flag stand, climbing the ladder up, you could see the, the nest there. Okay. Well, I'm sure the, the mother thought, oh, this is a nice, peaceful spot and you know, everything's calm and quiet. Well, then the month of May comes, okay, and then these cars start going around, and she got quite agitated. Well, race day, when you put 330,000 people there, um, yeah, she was really mad. Uh, but, um, you know, I think all the birds uh, hatched and whatnot. But, yeah, they, I mean, it's a big place. There's uh, there's a lot of animals around that place. You know, Walt, there's a lot of people that would love – you know, to do what you do, not even for a living, just, you know, for fun, right? You know, they're, I mean, anymore, you know, with the smartphones, you can go take photos. Yeah, yeah. But let me ask you this. You're the director of education and special projects at Robert's Camera, which is an incredible camera store. What advice would you give to someone just starting out? What, you know, what would you tell them? Well, to be persistent, to be, um, uh, if that's your dream, go after it. That was my dream and I went after it. But, okay, what I'll tell people is you got to have a portfolio because everyone and their brother wants to do what I want, what I'm doing. Okay. But very few people are going to put in the effort to actually do it. Okay. I had this lady come up to me once and goes, I want a victory circle credential. And I'm like, Hold on a second. I don't think you quite understand. Victor Circle credentials kind of you you kind of earn it. You've been around, and you know you're the lead photographer for either your newspaper or for the Speedway. It's not like they just you know let everybody in. And she's like, "Well, I don't want to do that." I'm like, "Well, you'll never make it in this business because you're not willing to put in." You know, I said I show up at three o'clock in the morning at Speedway. I leave at eleven o'clock. They only run the race, you know, for a small portion of that. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind that. A lot of editing. A lot of you know of grunt work that people don't see and they, they see me in the flag stand and they think, Oh, that'd be great. But are you willing to do the, you know, all the other stuff to, you know, that got me to a position where I could even get considered to being in the flag stand. Well, um, with only about five minutes left of the show there, there's a project that I saw that you did, and this has nothing to do with race cars. This has nothing to do with the Indianapolis motor speedway. This has nothing to do with biking but it has everything to do with capturing the moment. And I saw um, on your Facebook page, you went out and took photos of, of an Amish community. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about 
what you went through with that? I mean, because the photos are amazing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was, I, I put on a lot of workshops here at Roberts. It was bar none, the best workshop I've ever put on. Uh, I'm very fortunate to know a, a lady named uh, Cynthia Baldoff. Uh, Cynthia has spent uh, uh, decades uh, building a relationship with the Amish in Eastern Ohio, right? And uh, she goes over there many times a year. And she was fortunate enough to allow them, uh, allow us uh, uh, to come into their community, the Amish were. And we basically embedded ourselves with them. We went to luncheons and dinners and uh, we went on buggy rides. We did all sorts of stuff. And, you know, people who photograph the Amish, a lot of times what you do is you, you drive roads looking for stuff, you know, looking for stuff in the fields or whatnot, or, you know, just, uh, you know, a buggy passing by on the road or something like that. Well, I can't run a workshop with, let's just go drive the roads and, and see what we find. And uh, Cynthia was, you know, just instrumental in this, in getting them, uh, because, and, we, uh, you know, there are several levels of, of Amish. They're all not the same. Everybody thinks all the Amish are the same. They're not, okay? And there, there are portions of them that use cell phones and have uh, mopeds and have, you know, uh, different things uh, that we in society have. But there are also people that, you know, we went into one person's house and they had two white shirts and uh, one pair of black pants in their closet. And that was it. That was all the clothes they owned. And uh, but it was a, the, the Amish are, are incredible people. And it was really neat to learn about them uh, and the, just the photo opportunities we did. We took one uh, old building hadn't been used in 50 years and we cleaned it out. And uh, it was an old schoolroom. It was a one room uh, schoolhouse. And we ended up uh, hiring these kids and this uh, uh, woman to act as the teacher. And we basically recreated the Amish uh, one room schoolhouse in this room and the photos were the photos were stunning um but yeah it's just it's one of those things that you could never uh do without cynthia baldoff or the amish's uh, approval but uh yeah it was a really neat workshop were, were you able to show those photos to them after you were done would you were you able to go back and show them what you captured Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, the section of Amish that we were dealing with, uh, they, they deal with phones, they deal with, you know, they, they deal with that. So, um, yeah, and, uh, you know, they're not wild about, you know, promoting it and, and, and getting their picture all over every place, but they, they had no problem with it. And they, you know, they appreciate a, a good photo, but it was actually kind of wild. We'd go into some of the houses, and one of the things I, I often noticed was, you know, wow, there's no big TV in the living room. You know, that, we think of that everybody everybody's house has a big TV in the living room. That's where you watch the sports. It's weird to walk into a house and there's no TVs whatsoever. And, you know, I applaud that. I, I appreciate their lifestyle. And, you know, it was neat, uh, neat getting to photograph it. We hope to do it again. COVID kind of changed it. The COVID uh, came through and, and just ravaged their community. And uh, we thought about doing it this year, but we're going to try and do it uh, hopefully next year uh, uh, again in, uh, um, in June or July. Well, if you could, could you um, let everybody know again how they can go online to the IMS website and look at these photos and buy photos and stuff like that, like, like you talked about er earlier in the show? Yeah, well, it's the IMS, uh, if you go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway website, uh, up at the top, one of the tabs would be photos. And here again, uh, not everything is, is online. Uh, they're, they're putting a lot more stuff online. But if you go to the second floor uh, of the Hall of Fame Museum inside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, they've got everything that, that, that's ever been taken. You can buy a lot of stuff. It depends on what, what you want. You know, if you want like the victory circle from, you know, 1997, they've got it all, you know, already made up. But if you want a special uh, photo, uh, they'll get it printed and then uh, they can send it to you. But as I said, there's a portion of it that's online, but everything uh, is uh, in the Apple Smart Speedway uh, is at the second floor. And just real quickly, uh, it's kind of neat if you ever uh, uh, have the privilege of going up there. Um, up on the second floor is the vault where every negative they have, I think it's 5 million. Uh, it's probably even over that negatives that uh, from, you know, all the way back to 1911. And uh, if a fire were to happen, if there ever, you know, God forbid was a fire in the Indianapolis uh, museum, the door there is automated to close and then the oxygen gets taken out of it so that those, those negatives will not burn under any wow. conditions. It's a, yeah. It's, it's a safe, it's a vault. And that's, I mean, that's one of the most valuable things at the speedway is all of those photos from the, you know, the 1920s and thirties and forties and fifties. And, uh, you know, they got to protect it, but you know, if the alarm goes off, you're told to just get out of that room. That's all. That's all you need to know is you get out of that room. And, uh, cause, uh, if they, 
close the door, it's uh, they're going to take the oxygen. Walt, have you ever had a, a a driver come up to you and ask you to capture a special moment outside the racetrack of them or maybe their family? And and, and what I'm thinking of, have you ever like um, you know took engagement photos or hidden in a, in, in a bush or you yeah. know what I mean <laughs> for yeah. a driver? I'm not, I'm not Chris Owens. I'm not Chris Owens. I haven't, I haven't in, uh, hid in a bush yet. But uh, yeah, I've done I've done some special things for that. Uh, Scott Dixon had me uh, do things uh, a while back, and uh, um, you know I, I don't. Do as much as I used to do because I only do the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Back when I was traveling, uh, you know, and doing the whole circuit, um, I did a lot more of that because I'd see these guys every week. Uh, now that I, you know, I, I only do the, uh, uh, you know, the 500 and the the Grand Prix that's coming up here with the Brickyard. Uh, I don't, I don't see them as much. Well, how can people find you on social? Uh, a couple ways. Um, uh, my Instagram is Coon underscore Walter. Um, I'm on Facebook, although it's a private Facebook, but I, uh, and depending on, uh, we can, uh, accept friends, but, um, uh, that's usually the easiest way, uh, to see me. Um, I post stuff on, on Facebook and, and Instagram. Um, okay. Mostly. Walt, a f- couple last questions, black and white or color photography. Well, I, you know, I, 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 both. Okay, they, they both have their moments. Okay, um, I've even done black and white that have been colorized, so part of it is, is color. Okay, um, I, 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 don't, I don't like this. Uh, well, it's got to be this. You said black and white. Well, there's times where I like black and white. There's times where I like color. It just, uh, you know, I, I appreciate black and white, and I love a good black and white. Um, I love, you know, black and white from the '60s and '70s. But um, you know, it, it just depends. There, okay. There's times where um, you know. It looks best, but there's times I, mean, I love a color photograph as well. Natural light or artificial light? Natural light. Um, I do, we do a lot of studio stuff, but I always like you know just what God gives us. You know the nature uh, that uh, that's out there, and uh, you know a lot of times I sometimes I'll add a, a fill flash or something like that. But as far as studio stuff versus you know outside shooting race cars, out shooting race cars every every single time. Landscape or portrait photography. Well, here again, you know, it depends. If I'm doing he- headshots, uh, you know, definitely a portrait. But, uh, you know, um, whatever's going to get me the creative shot, you know. I don't like to put limitations of I got to do it this way. As I said, you know, the Elio Castroneves kind of taught me that do something outside the box, think outside the box. And that's what gets noticed, all right? If you do something, I always say, if I see 10 photographers standing over here doing this one photo, I'm going over here. I'm going to shoot the same thing, but I'm going to shoot it completely different than they will. And uh, that that's kind of how I made my name out there. Walt Kuhn, I can't thank you so much for joining me on the Outstanding Life Podcast, sharing your stories with us. Thank you so much again, Walt. And I appreciate everything you do. And uh, the next time you're at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, make sure you look up Walt Kuhn. Thank you, Johnny. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Hey, man, have an outstanding day. Everybody, I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now on TikTok at Motivational Cowboy. And don't forget, if you're looking for a motivational speaker for your next event, go to MotivationalCowboy.com. We'll see you next time right here on the Outstanding Life Podcast. Hey, I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Are you planning a conference, convention, meeting, assembly, or any live event that needs a guest speaker? I would love to be a part of it. For more information, visit MotivationalCowboy.com. Have an outstanding day. Thanks for listening to the Outstanding Life Podcast. Follow Johnny D on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Motivational Cowboy. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, advertise, or would like to make a donation, please visit MotivationalCowboy.com. And remember to have an outstanding day.